today we're going to share some of the common and not so common building and pest issues we've encountered over the last 25 years. Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode and if you'd like more useful tools head over to the website homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now, we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. In episode 97, we spoke to Zahir and Ed, a couple of building inspectors who predominantly inspect new builds prior to handover. And this led to an influx of questions from our listeners about common issues to look out for. So Megan and I thought we'd have a bit of a fun episode and share some stories with you about things that we've uncovered through following building inspectors around properties. But before we get into that, what's a special house this week, Megan? Although I actually do know what this is. So this is this is Veronica's contribution to my cool houses <laughs> part of the episode. For those who aren't watching, uh, each week obviously puts something behind me that just is interesting. That you know something, a building, a house, my renovation, um, and this one is really interesting. It is called the Tweed Terrace House, and it is inspired by Mexican architecture, located in Tweed Heads, which is a beautiful part of the northern New South Wales coast but veronica um anyone who looks it up so google it if you like there's a lot of curves inside this building and veronica and i are both looking <laughs> at it going how do you furnish that <laughs> it looks like a pair of sort of white pebbles sitting does, on, on a rock plinth and i just looked at it i love the look of it actually and i thought of you immediately megan when i saw <laughs> that i thought you will love these i can't believe you haven't seen them really you. interesting and then you've got the juxtaposition of those modern buildings towering yes, over it at the back <laughs> hideous apartments just behind it but um it's just sitting there on the point it's a pretty amazing ocean views and inside like megan was saying everything's curved everything's curved so it would have cost a fortune to have all those beautiful, they've got timber panel rooms and all sorts of things. It's You'd a have beautiful actually, view. I mean, they have really made um, made it into almost an art, a piece of art, how you look out the glass looking towards the ocean. So they've framed it beautifully so that it really looks you know, quite spectacular from inside looking out. It does look like sculpture. And all I can think of is that you really need to get all of the joinery um, built into that house. So you couldn't really move anything in other than the bed, I think. (laughs) Well, the bed almost needs to be curved as well because you've got hard lines in something that's so um, soft and curvy. Uh, Anyway. Quite beautiful. Imagine doing a building inspection on that one. That would be a tough (laughs) one. (laughs) Look, inspection reports generally look at structural defects rather than cosmetic imperfections. And I think that's one thing that um, buyers have to be really, you know, just be cognizant of it because sometimes you move into a house and you go, oh, they didn't pick up that chip in the um laminate in the inside the bathroom drawer uh, you know that's that's not what a building inspection is for it's 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 more for those sort of structural defects that might end up cost, costing you a lot of money but you know you shouldn't expect comments about loose door handles or chip tiles or poor quality painting although some inspectors might actually make those sorts of comments as just as an observation rather than um, an issue that needs to be dealt with um, a, 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 you know, something that we see a lot, Veronica, is things that aren't built to current code. So they might have been built 
back in the 1970s, 1950s, and they might have been built to code at that time. But, you know, codes change constantly and building codes are very um, local government specific and then there might be a state layer and then there might be a national layer over that in, in terms of how, how building codes are implemented and, and um, administered. But, you know, that's that's something that I've seen quite a bit, particularly in Queenslanders. You know, maybe the the railing height isn't as high as it is meant to be, but it was <laughs> fine when it was built in 1890. <laughs> the classic I see all the time are staircases in terraces that are like <laughs> practically like climbing a ladder. <laughs> you know, they are so steep and often the tread as well. So in in a house now, when it's built, there's a code, which means it can't be steeper than I don't know what the gradient is, but also it has to be the, the step has to be so deep and yep. the riser has to be so much and, and and it's really prescriptive how the how a staircase has to be built now. Whereas some of these old houses, you get the right the steps are steep as well as being quite deep, like as in as in high. Each step is high. So it's almost like a workout to climb up these. You know, you've really got to get <laughs> your glutes activated. The tread's not very deep. So, you know, I don't have a large foot. I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an average size eight for, for a woman. But I would imagine a bloke with a size 10 or size 12 hoof putting his foot on some of these stairs and not even being able to get traction. I walk down like I'm a duck sometimes. You know, you've got to have your feet at <laughs> angles. Sideways. Yeah. Out, sideways, in. Like you, <laughs> and backwards, I was, maybe. Boy, and I always think of things like, you know, going to the toilet in the middle of the night, like really practical oh. things like that. Because a lot of those terraces don't have bathrooms on the upper no. level, do they? So you've actually got it. <laughs> what do you do? Put some carpet on it and slide down on your butt? That's it. We used to do that so as kids. I it love makes that. me laugh. I mean, I know someone who's living on a tiny little terrace like that. It's actually two bedroom. The staircase is like one of these really steep little staircases. And if you actually put a staircase in there that's code today, you wouldn't be able to have two bedrooms because of the, re oh, the, the return. Yeah, so they actually sort of condense them so that yeah. you could actually fit a staircase into a space that really wasn't meant to have one. I it's know. Like, it's like spiral staircases. Oh, I hate them. I hate them. I look at them and think, oh, the worst layout I've ever seen in a house. And, and we we have a little file in our office, you know, great layouts, poor layouts, laughable agent advertising, <laughs> you know, just things that amuse us in our office because you see a lot of interesting stuff um, when you're looking at a lot of properties every day. The worst layout I ever saw was a spiral staircase going up into a bathroom and then you had to walk through the bathroom to get into the upstairs bedroom. Go figure. Was that in <laughs> Darlinghurst in Sydney? I don't know where because it was. Does that sound familiar? Yes, I'm sure it was a Queensland think, property because we no, looked at well, it. There's been one in Sydney. It was a, one of those little tiny terraces, you know, the ones that would have previously had a very steep staircase. Some clever idiot has decided to replace <laughs> that very steep staircase with a spiral staircase and it literally landed them in in the ons was like in the bathroom and then they had to walk through the bathroom to get to the main bedroom so i've Maybe. seen that i've seen is this that. a design is this a new design that we haven't considered are we, are we the lagging ones here Veronica? no 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 there's just some properties and so yeah i just think like what you talk about with code is a classic one of the things that um if you remember i think it was episode six when we interviewed peter mazier who was yes. my old building inspector when i first started as a buyer's agent and who i learned so much through and he taught me oh incredible things but one of the things was about safety glass because mm. a lot of houses, amazingly enough, have in their glass, in the doors or windows, um, they don't have safety glass. And he mm -hmm. just showed me how to tap it and the different sound it makes to Ooh, uh, like safe glass. And so what can happen with safe, with with glass that's not safety glass is that people can easily go through it and they can, they can yeah, create. Breaking into small shards. Well, not only that, but it becomes a lethal. <laughs> like if you put your arm through, like my brother when he was a little little kid we obviously didn't have safety glass in our house but mm. there was a curtain in the way and he leant against a window and it just broke and he went through this window it's a miracle mm. he didn't get lose a limb i mean i knew someone else who ran through a window as a kid and has this massive scar on their leg where basically a big massive flap of skin was oh. hanging over he was a child Ooh. so these are really really dangerous to have 
um, non-safety glass at anywhere where people could accidentally put a limb or something through the glass. But right? it exists, right? Because it not exists. all houses, houses aren't bought up to code when a code changes. No. And there are some grandfathering provisions in most cases about, you know, if it was built to code at the time, mm. then you don't have to do anything about it. But there's a really prime example. Imagine if you had a house. Now, I can, I, um, one of the things that pops to mind when you say that is, uh, there was a building technique of high set brick houses in um, sort of the seventies kind of era, where they'd put like an orange um, frosted glass, like a oh fiberglass. Remember those? Yeah, yeah. My parents had a sheet of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this this orange frosted textured glass was was a, a real feature of the time and I'm sure it was quite expensive and and well thought of and and you can sort of see some of these houses that have them were quite maybe the standouts at the time um but they that shatters really easily and it, it, tiny tiny little shards and they're generally at the lower level of a big picture window so they often had the, the sliding windows at the top and then this this decorative orange glass nice, down nice. the bottom. And, and of course, it was code at the time. But if you bought that house now and you had little kids and, as you say, your brother leant against a window once, you know, there's always balls being chucked around, mm. kids' heads going into walls, not generally. Kids rumbling. Yeah. No, they, they wrestle. Yeah. They run after balls. They, 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 they don't, you know, have that. Even the, the dog. Imagine the dog. <laughs> <laughs> flies out the front of the window. We laugh, but you know, sorry to any listeners where, who've experienced this. <laughs> but that that was to code at the time, and it, and it, now we look at it and say now now building inspector might comment about that, but as a buyer, would you have an opportunity to terminate a contract if your contract was conditional upon a building and pest inspection? No, because it's not a structural condition. Like it's not a structural element of the property fix it um you'd want to just go right i need to fix that i need to get in there pretty quickly and allow some budget to to, to replace that sort of stuff so you know things that aren't to code it's not that the owner has to generally bring it up to code it's that you have to be cognizant of it because if something happens, there might be potentially a liability issue yeah. there or a potential for injury. Um, windows are a really classic example, Veronica, because now code says that windows have to be a certain height above ground. Mm. Otherwise, they have to have some sort of safety mechanism around them, whether that's a um, uh, like a, a, a limiter a, on the opening. Yeah, thing. limiter on the opening. What's the other thing? The um, like mesh screens, not not just the flimsy oh, yeah. ones, but the, like a the solid, <laughs> yeah, the solid mesh screens um, to stop people actually going through. So if they they actually hit the window, they might break it, but they won't actually fall out from the second or third story if if that was to be the case. That there are so many old apartment complexes where those window heights are low. Much we've got yeah, and get the, get to them. We've had legislation in New South Wales uh, that means that all apartment buildings have had to upgrade their window um, closures, so to make sure that they don't open sort of wider than a baby's head, um, so they don't want anybody crawling oh, out so of them. Retrospectively, they have to yes, do that. Yes, and is that is that imposed on the body? Oh, mm. uh, strata. Yep, it's an obligation. So every now and then I still go into a building where I can see that they haven't actually um, done that. They haven't mm. upgraded their windows or they haven't put the – because you can retrofit a, a device that mi limits how far the window can open. Mm -hmm. And um, it can be as simple as, as um, you know, at a really basic level, but I don't know if this is technically – good building practice but you know, it's screwing a piece of timber into the windowsill that actually stops the window going past it yeah well it, it does the job i guess <laughs> and there's different regulations on that you know in a house versus in an apartment and also state by state as we know everything's different well it's, it's council it's local government area by local government area mm, yes. i mean you're talking about a state-based mm. change to legislation there but uh, realistically, if I look at something that is to code in Brisbane local government area, it might be vastly different to what's to code in Ipswich local government area well, and they neighbour each other. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. Although, and then you've got ex extremes when you've got different weather events that happen mm. in different areas, such so buying a house in Cairns. So I imagine there's some cyclone prevention that that is included oh, in the code just, up there. You want to have be, specialist up there, wouldn't you? Yes. I mean, it, you know, it's it, you could you could have a building inspector pretty much do anything with it within a, a geographical area of maybe you know 100 150 kilometers they don't have to really know the building code that intimately but if you went from brisbane to townsville or to cairns or to air you, 
you really have to have intimate knowledge about what the factors are, the weather factors and the condition factors that might impact and what was the building technique at the time. And and that might be a real showstopper if you're looking at buying up there. And it is an area where there is prevalence of cyclones and 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 probably an increasing chance of that with with um, climate, change. climate change so i have come across some building inspectors that i think are amazing and i've come across some that i think are really really terrible and there was yeah. one guy i was going through an open house this was a a preview inspection as often we do as buyers agents you get the opportunity to see the property when the photos are being taken so the agent said look this Such is coming on the market we'll, we'll get you in early so I go through and I'm taking my own little video and whatever and I'm dodging I'm dodging the copywriter, I'm dodging the, the floor plan person, <laughs> I'm dodging the, the photographer, definitely dodging the photographer because I don't want to get in the image. And I go out the back and the building, the agent had commissioned a building inspection um, and pest inspection and that was going on simultaneously. So all this was happening, the whole production crew was at this property. I've gone out the back and I've never seen this guy before. He's pulling at a sheet of like um, a cladding uh, is tugging at it on the outside of the house. And yeah. I'm looking at him. Now, this is a, a very old house that has had a very old renovation. Okay. Very old. And I'm talking probably asbestos sheeting. Oh, because it's that and old. He's playing right? with it. You and he's tugging at it. And I said, mate, what are you doing? And he says, what's your problem? And I said, that probably contains asbestos. What are you doing? And he's like, oh, it's a furphy. And I'm like, really? Well, can you not do What's it around furphy? asbestos and the problems? Oh, no. whoa. And I went, can you not do it around me then? Do whatever you want on your own time and your own air, but I don't want to be around when you're doing that. Anyway, went inside the house and I said to the agent, who is that building inspector? Gave me the name. I went, great. We shall A, never be using him, but also B, I won't be relying on his report ever if I see that he's the one yeah, that's done yeah. it. Now, yeah. it's amazing. He is such what a crap. How am I going to feel about that? A building inspector can do a visual inspection, but they can't do an intrusive inspection. Oh, and this is a great irony of this guy because this guy doesn't intrude on any space. Like, I have read reports written by this guy where he says you can't get access to the uh, subfloor and like, and I'm in the house practically standing on the trap door while I'm reading his report going, hmm, he couldn't <laughs> see what I'm standing on. It's big enough for me to get through and he's not that big a guy. Um, and what another property, I actually did a comparison. So he's like a franchisee of this particular franchise and uh, we use quite often another franchisee of the same franchise. So the reports are the same format. Oh, yeah. And so he did did one on a property that we were going for. There's no way I was going to rely on it. I didn't even get a copy of it. I was like, what's the point? So then I we got ours through and he said, well, both of the floor, the bathrooms and the ground floor of this property, they've both been leaking and they've both been leaking for some time and he had all these photos in there, all this damage. Um, they have to be replaced really, really um, straight away oh, because they're, all right the timbers underneath is soft yeah. and, you know, it's it's not structurally sound. It's also termite. Like that is oh, absolute yeah. fodder and attraction to termites to have it. moisture under a building Bit like that. wet timber, yum, mm. yum. And so... Um, I went back to the agent and I said, just out of curiosity, can you give me a copy of that report? Because we just discovered this and you're completely unaware of it. And I put those reports side by side and I put together a report that I sent to the agents because they were giving away the report for free. Mm. And I said, this is false advertising because side by side using exactly the same format, you know, could I get access, you know, what did I get access to? So our inspector got up into the roof and under the floor. Mm. This guy didn't do either. Like, didn't even bother. That's just lazy. Was there evidence of um, past termite activity? And in his report, no. In our report, yes, and here's all the photos of it. You know what I mean? Like, it was mm. absolutely appalling. So I've gone to a number of agencies that I know use this guy. No wonder they use him because he's slack. Because it's... Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that's the warning that we, we do give people is when a report is prepared um, on behalf of the owner... You've got to be really careful about who it is that, that mm -hmm. has prepared that report. And, yeah, they've got liability issues and so forth. But if the if the warranty can't be transferred to you as the buyer and you haven't organised that to take place, then you've got no coverage whatsoever. None. Absolutely. 
So this is, yeah, mortifying. And, uh, you know, so we're very glad we got ours. Um, but, you know, the problem there, of course, and so I really went back to the agent and I said, you need to make all the buyers aware that that report is crap, you know, because there's false and misleading advertising as far as I'm concerned. to get a new report. The minute I notified them and I gave them a copy of our report, I said, the minute I've told you that, you now know and you can't unknow. Mm. Mm. So they then got him back to actually do what he was meant to do in the first place, actually inspect these areas. <laughs> so, so, you know, there were some times when, when I, I reckon I could write the building report, you know, because well, you've got a building inspector that doesn't investment. even look. But that's a good investment for a buyer to get an own, their own independent um, building pest report. What, five, five fifty maybe for building and pest report in New South Wales? That's that's a good investment because it might be a walk away or it might be a, no, I need to adjust my price expectations for the remedial work that has to be done as a result of these findings. You don't want to find that out afterwards. You, you want to find it out before you commit to the totally. property. I've, I've got another story about a dodgy building and pest inspector. So this is when I was a sales agent, right? I don't think I've told this story on this podcast before. If I have, I do apologise. But anyway, so I was selling the house that was across the road from my house and it was in a pretty tough market and it was actually hard to sell. And it took a while and it's really bad because every day I'd get home from work and if I hadn't shown any buyers there, I'd be reminded, you know, <laughs> hello, Judy, I know I'm still working on getting you your buyer. Anyway. We did get a buyer, got got an offer, and then they did their building and pest inspection. And this inspe- and I'd been all over this house because Judy had done the renovations and she showed me what she'd done. I'd even been under the house. So I knew I knew exactly what to expect in this property. Not that many agents get under people's houses, but anyway, for some reason I had done that. Tragic. Um, You're a property tragic. <laughs> I am a property tragic. So the report comes through and the buyer says, I'm pulling out because it's really bad. I went, what? What? what she showed me this report and in that report was all these photos of a subfloor of a house which had all this termite damage had all this debris oh. had 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 like basically had pictures of bearers and joy so that that's if you got a timber floor underneath you got these things called bearers and joy so it's the big lengths of timber that, that form the frame and then they put the tim- the floorboards on top they had um pictures of like bearers that were broken and had been replaced and the old ones just left there like there was all this like and I went that the under that house doesn't look like that (laughs) and I've gone across the road and taken some photos and sent them to her I said this is actually what the house looks like I don't know where he's done this report what property he's even done it on maybe there's a mistake you know so I go back to the inspector who swears black and blue that's what it was like when he was there and I'm like, well, nothing's changed. And it turns out they had an absolute reputation, this company, for giving everyone that that got a building inspection, they used to do three bad ones and they had all mm-hmm. these, these photos on file that they were basically sticking their reports and then they give them a, a clean bill of health on the fourth one. And it, for them it was revenue building and revenue Re- making. Repeat business from Isn't the same person and of course that builds trust oh they found this i must yeah. use them again this next time they're so thorough yeah thank wow. god i didn't buy that house i could not convince that buyer i had to find another buyer i could not convince her i even took her to the property i showed her she just you know the, the, was, she was spooked by then she was totally spooked oh, and that's so they um and it could have been they, a really good buy for that person yeah they ended up getting struck off um if that's the correct term Good. for um, building inspectors, because I wasn't the only um, agent that had discovered this yep. little rot. But, you know, I thankfully there's not many like that out there. But, you know, you've got to be aware that people can sometimes abuse their situation or let's other people's so now, I think. Yeah, yeah. Look, let's talk about some of the common things that are found. You know, rising damp is a big one for houses mm. that are built on slabs, not so much your high-set houses that are on um um, you know, Queenslanders say, for example, you generally don't see rising damp because the damp can't get up those stumps and get to the property. But you would see it a lot in the southern states and on houses that are on slab. They don't have to be on a slab to have rising damp. In fact, Victorian terraces aren't on slabs and they've got, they're plagued with rising damp. You know, Federation houses, California Is bungalows. Is that because the, the brickwork actually goes mm. to, to ground? Yeah. yeah. So they're not on a slab. So they're on elevated timber, you know, the framework that you talked about. Yeah. But the, the 
the brickwork, if you like, goes down to ground and well, maybe even some foundations and piers. Yeah, they got piers, and or it might even be the house is literally built on the ground. That that can happen. My house, the front section of it, is built on the ground. Weirdly enough, um, so which isn't great, and I've got to keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and very so aware, very alert. Well, there is such a thing as damp course. You've got to be mindful of termites, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's such a thing as damp course, and that deteriorates. So in an old Victorian terrace, for instance, that would have been a slate. So in in a row of bricks, sort of maybe, I don't know, two bricks above ground level, for instance, it might be, and there's there's a row of like a lining of slate all the way along. Well, slate has um, cracked over the years or mm-hmm. it's just degraded and the damp starts coming through. So it comes through the walls. It looks all sort of, it's a bit crumbly, a bit salty. Yeah. I yeah. Don't know um, and it does. It, it looks like it's um, a white kind of phosphorus kind of material. Yeah. It's not good. You, no. you do not like raising damp. Another not another good. really <laughs> common thing is uneven floors. <laughs> now, yes. what is the, Veronica, what is the easiest test to test uneven floors apart from moving one side and the other and feeling a bit seasick when you're walking down it? Carry a marble. We, we always carry a ball. It doesn't <laughs> matter whether it's a marble, a golf ball, or anything round. If you run it down a hallway and it moves too much to one side or another, or through a bedroom, then you you've got uneven floors. You can often feel it when you're walking through. Yeah. In and of itself, it's not a problem. It, you do need to be aware of it, but, but there are vastly different costs associated with rectifying uneven floors. So, and sometimes you, know, you don't rectify them. Like sometimes you, know, you don't, and it's an, just the character of the house. Well, yeah, I mean, there's quite often in old Victorian terraces again upstairs. You know, you feel the undulations. You know, as I'm walking <laughs> through the house, and it's like. And for me, I sometimes feel like I'm the princess and the pea, you know, like I'm really sensitive to these things. I can feel these floors a bit uneven. And um, But what are you going to do? Like to, in order to, to level up that floor, you pretty much have to gut the house and, and effectively start again. No one's going to do that. So even in renovated houses, sometimes I find upstairs have got wonky floors. And if even it's settled and stopped. Concrete floors can, can be uneven too mm. because that can be an indication of sinking. So maybe mm-hmm. a corner has sunk. Now, it can be rectified, but again, quite expensive. But this is one of some of the common things that we, we can see yeah. in pest inspections. And well, it can lead that- to doors not closing properly, Veronica. Yeah, so it's absolutely. not just about the floors. It's actually if the structure has moved and shifted too much, then doors won't close. And Queenslanders are very much designed to, to move with the weather. They are designed to contract and, mm. and, and expand with the weather conditions. And you can find that one day your door opens and the next day it won't. Uh, and <laughs> that's the nature of it. It doesn't mean that it's defective, but, you know, you, you want to be a little bit careful that it isn't a result of, you know, a corner dropping or some stumps being really so far out of whack that the whole building's shifted. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, I mean, because, like, even with all the rain that Sydney's had, my bed, my daughter's bedroom door sometimes swells to the point that I can't shut it properly. And then it's <laughs> normal at the moment, but I know that we've got another El Nino coming up over summer, it'd probably swell again. Yeah. But there's been times when I've been through at properties, yeah, and I've, I've just sort of looked at, over the years, quite often people might shave a bit off the door to yep. to encounter the, to counter this, and I've seen even staircases that I reckon are sitting at a twenty degree angle. <laughs> <laughs> but but the house has stopped moving. It's like it was built, and then it settled, and then it yeah, stopped. It must have found stopped, rock at yeah. some point and stopped. You know, and and it's like, what are they going to do? <laughs> Especially yeah, in the middle would, of a, have a real terraces. good conversation with your inspector about that one. <laughs> Because sometimes I feel like a whole row of terraces just leaning on each other anyway. <laughs> so, like a deck of cards. Yeah. Dominoes. If you Dominoes. Yeah. Ones, they're all going to go over. You want to be careful about that. <laughs> Look, timber rot is another common thing that we see in inspections. Can be difficult, uh, you know, can be a problem, can not be a problem, depending how um, how much it's in, infested or got into the timbers and mm-hmm. where those timbers are. You know, you see it a lot on the bottoms of fences because yeah. fences often go into the ground and that's how rot sort of comes up and decays the bottom of the fences you know that shouldn't be a showstopper and in fact sometimes you can just go along and get a builder to to run um a, a saw along the bottom cut that rot, rot off paint it painting is the best way to stop rot you know if you remove it first bog it correctly if it's not not a structural issue if it's just a cosmetic issue, um, but you want to remove it, you don't want to paint just over the top of a rot or a, a fungi or anything like that. You've got to treat it and 
and, and deal with it first. Well, that's the thing. Paint is an amazing protector, even for brickwork mm-hmm. on the outside of a house. And quite often a building inspector will say, look, you know, there is damp and it might be lateral damp. So you've got rising damp that comes up, you know, you've got lateral that comes sideways mm-hmm. and that can just be from rain and just various other, you know, maybe off a tree. Or, try to the yeah, the membranes. Yeah. So it's coming in sideways, and so so painting the wall is often the re- the rectification work that a building mm-hmm. inspector might recommend. Now then, you have got to think, okay, how easy is it to access that wall? Because certainly in our area, we've got some houses that are like a foot apart from the ne- house next door. It's like, <laughs> why didn't they just make them terraces? Honestly, it'd be a lot easier because now you've got this whole wall you can't do anything with. You cannot treat it. Yeah. Um, you can't prevent it from anything. You got to, everything you do with that wall has to be done from the inside. Inside out, and I always think so many challenges. And so every every property is different, right? And that's yeah, that's that's the important thing to keep in mind is well, what might be an issue on one is is maybe just a oh, that's just some maintenance I've got to deal with on another. And this is the problem. So I always think, how easy is it to do that maintenance? So it's all good to think, okay, all I do, I just need to maintain the house, and we highly recommend you do maintain a house, as Peter Mazier said way back in episode six. I'm pretty certain it was. You know, he said every house starts deteriorating from the minute that's finished. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, you do need to maintain properties, and when you buy a house to live in, you've got to maintain it. And so, but how easy is that? How accessible is that? Like, I remember when I renovated my Balmain house, it's the second renovation ago, and we had this, um, we put a, uh, what do you call them, a, the concealed cistern in the downstairs oh, bathroom, yeah. in fact, in yeah. all the bathrooms, but yeah, in the downstairs the bathroom, yeah. yeah. So the concealed cistern, if you have a, a toilet cistern, right, and it sort of keeps flushing, you know, it doesn't stop, it doesn't turn off, you just mm. pull the top off, you toggle the buttons a little bit, like <laughs> you pull the top off, you can play with it, around with it. I learned that when I worked for a plumbing company years ago. And, but if it's concealed, it's like, how do you get access to it? It's behind the wall. So you want to make sure it's a nice big panel. Well, because of the way that this bathroom was designed and where it was located, the actual system, the access was through the pantry because the, the there was the bathroom and then on the other side of the wall was actually the pantry wall and then there was a kitchen, so just the way the house was arranged, right? Yeah. And so this is how it was designed. Now, I knew that because I was very involved in the whole renovation. Yeah. But and I did tell the people who bought that house for me as well. By the way, if ever the system goes, this is how you get to it. Right. <laughs> but quite often, as houses pass from owner to owner, that knowledge is lost. Yeah. Where the yeah. hell is a toilet system? How do you access it? <laughs> how do you access it? Remember people when it's fashionable to have a spa in your bathroom and, and, and you had yeah. to have an access point to the motor and, you know, the pipes and all that sort of stuff. I think, oh, God, if I bought a house that had a spa, I'd be ripping it out. I know, how gross. I think, ugh. <laughs> But yeah, but this is a this is a thing that people put, and it's like some light fittings. If you need to change the globe, how do you how do you get in there? Like, oh, I mean, that's such a classic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and there's little things like how that. How do you do it? There's tricks. Yeah, well, some you can't. Once I saw one style of like a stair light that once it was installed, I was like, "What do you have to do? Rip out the jip rock to change?" Uh, they went, "Oh no, it's LED. It doesn't matter." I'm like, "You yeah, but ultimately, yeah, but it doesn't. It ultimately, doesn't last forever. Need, yeah, exactly." <laughs> <laughs> All right, another classic or common um, one is a property not having a termite barrier, whether that's chemical or physical or a a barrier that hasn't been kept up to date. And to give you a Queensland example, um, most properties, I would say 80, 85% of properties in, in Queensland, so the established properties, not ones that have been built in the last 10, 20 years, but, you know, the older established properties a massive proportion of them do not have a termite barrier. What they have is these physical um, barriers that are meant to stop the termites getting to the timber. So if they make their way up the the stumps, there's this ant capping that Mm. is metal and you're meant to be able to see them go around the ant capping and up to the timber of the house. They're not meant that to be was, able to climb around it, but they do. <laughs> they do. Of course they do. And that's, you know, that involves regular inspections yourself to see if there is any termites. You can see them when they're tracking along. Mm. Um, but but that was that was the way that you protected houses from termites in the past. It's not now the recommended way to protect houses from termites. It is generally a chemical barrier, which is where they go along and they they inject chemical into either the concrete that's around or whatever the the um, exterior of the house is. 
but generally old properties don't have it. It's not a reason not to buy. It's a cost that you should probably invest in, in as part of your ongoing maintenance. But it is probably one of the biggest things that comes up that first home buyers get really, really frightened about because they think, oh my God, there's, there, there must be termites. If there's no if there's no barrier stopping them getting them in, there must there must be termites. And there is as long as you can get access to the hidden parts of a house, mm. then you can ascertain a are they there now or are b they? have mm. they ever been there and mm. c if they were there in the past, which they probably would have been at some point in an old house. Um, what's the damage? Has it been rectified? And, and there's a a lot obviously in that, and certainly in in Queensland, it's obvious you've got weatherboard houses mm. done in the southern states. Termites can do a lot of damage in, oh, like in a they brick love house. Skirting boards. Well, they love the, the framing, and yeah, you don't they know love the trusses. Whereas in a weatherboard home, the termite will make themselves known very quickly because you see them faster. Whereas if they're chewing away behind the brick wall, and they could be doing all manner of damage without you even being aware of it. So, and these are some of the things that come up in a building report. Yep. Is and it's not 100%, look, honestly, it's not 100% fail-safe. There, there, are, there are examples of where buildings have had a good building inspector through them, pest inspector through them, and they haven't picked up that damage because the only way to pick up um, if there is termite current or past activity within the walls is, and you might have seen this, if, if, you, if you've ever followed a building and pest inspector, it's fascinating. It's, it's quite, my kids watched it the other day when we had an inspection where I'm living at the moment. And they they go along with a, um, a sometimes a ball on the end of a stick and they tap, 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 tap. And the kids said, what are they doing, Mark? Yeah, what, what's he doing? And I said, well, what he's listening for is for any sounds of dirt falling down in the walls as he taps them because that's what the termites create. They create a dirt track that they they kind of make this tunnel out of dirt as they make their way up the timbers or along the timbers. Well, I think and it's, it's, isn't it their it? waste product? It's like they eat the timber and then what comes out the Makes the track. Is, yeah, yeah, is the soil they're creating. <laughs> yeah, well, that's Termite how it's created. Refuse. I was just saying how it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so if that's so tightly packed as to not disintegrate when it's tapped, then there could actually be old damage in the walls, and and that can slip through sometimes. So this isn't fail safe. These these are not you can't rip off people's walls to see what's behind them unless you have some sort of indication that there might be some some sort of activity in there. Yeah. So some building inspectors go high tech and they've got infrared cameras. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Or they can also, um, and so they're measuring the warmth. In the walls, so termites apparently quite warm little creatures, yes, and they, um, yep, yes. they give out a heat signal. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. <laughs> Have you seen them? Have you watched? Yeah. Them? Have you had a look at one of those cameras when they find one? Yeah, they light up. They go, oh, look at this! It's, it's amazing. Like this, this colony inside the the wall, and you think, oh god, someone's been living with that. I bought a house a few few houses ago. I bought a house that had termite damage in one room, and they'd completely eaten out some of the VJs and the uh, I don't know how the window was still in the wall because <laughs> they'd completely gone around the window, but they, it had actually stopped about two-thirds of the way out the wall, so ha they hadn't got into the roof trusses and, and, you know, that's the structural element. Cosmetic stuff, I can deal with that. I, you know, I'm quite comfortable with that. I was able to work out how much it would cost, how, you know, how long it would take, all those sorts of things. So it's not a reason not to buy, but as long as you know that it really is confined to that, that particular area and you understand your cost, that, that's a big one. And, and I think just following on from that, termites in the garden is a really, really, really common finding in mm. almost all Australian states. And you'll see that and it will look absolutely petrifying and you might want to run a thousand miles, but talk to the inspector about that stuff because they might be in a tree, an old tree um, that's been cut down just in the stump and they might be happily chomping along on that and, and going nowhere near the house because it's got a good barrier or it's so be, far away from the house. That can be in a live tree. Live tree, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it could. it's understanding, well, what's the impact of it? You know, how long will it take to actually eradicate these things? The last thing you want to do is go down there with fly spray and try and get rid of them because that's just going to spread them and the first thing they're going to run for is the closest timber, which would possibly be the house you, you just there are professionals who get rid of these things they do it every day and you know it can be you know, the house can be quite protected um but it is a common one actually to, to see a report say that there are termites in the garden that's where they live mm. 
Uh, yeah, they do. You want, don't want living in your house. No, definitely not. They're munching away at something else, not your house. It's <laughs> it's you know, but the termite damage that can be created, that's sort of hidden of often. You've got no real idea the extent of it. Same with if there's water leaks. One thing I learned mm. from building inspectors is that if a house has been unoccupied, you really they can't tell you whether the bathroom's leaking or not. Because it's dried. Unless they can see evidence, but they're certainly not going to the moisture reader because it's another little tool they have which is they, they read the moisture in a wall that won't work won't pick it up because no one's been having showers in there mm. um so there's there's things that there's limitations i guess to uh, what a building inspector can find based on access but also based mm. on how whether the house is occupied or not um and you know also another one that comes up quite often is that there's not enough roof trusses that yeah, and yes, we talked yeah. about building codes earlier so building codes these days will have a sort of a, a minimum amount of roof trusses you need up there to make sure it's uh supports the roof and and also some roofs are heavier than others like a tile roof is a heavy a lot heavier mm. than a color bond roof mm. and so sometimes quite often i'll see in the report that they there's not enough support up there and they recommend you know getting someone up there to do some remedial work mm -hmm. so there's things sort of surprising things that can come out another one that i saw <laughs> underneath his house it was like somebody had gone through you know those little door wedges you know that you can yeah. wedge under a door to stop it yeah. slamming it's yeah. like they'd gone under the whole house and hammered these like door wedges in all through every on every um uh every pier every pier had door so that's, wedges that's, tra in that's trying to straighten the house without actually replacing the piers that's, that's it they're trying yeah. to underpin it themselves yeah. and then what they were those little rubber door wedges like somebody was a handy <laughs> handyman job not gonna work <laughs> At least get timber. I've seen, I've seen. You know, you walk from one end of a, you know, an old house, and and I, I've talked about my very first house that I bought. It was a deceased estate, and it was it was not maintained at all. It was, you know, in hindsight, I took on way more than I should have at the time. But you that know, I was young and inexperienced. You didn't know. Young you and didn't ambitious. Know. I had no <laughs> idea what I didn't know. But walking through under that house, so. It was a worker's cottage on um, concrete stumps, but there were some original timber stumps as well. Like one of them just had literally fallen over. It had dropped that much that it wasn't even connected to the house. <laughs> but in other places, they'd attempted to straighten the house a little bit. And on one of the stumps was a brick with some... <laughs> with some packing on top of it. That's how much the stump and Wow, a whole brick. Like a whole not just brick. a little rubber door wedge, <laughs> an entire brick. That's pretty good. <laughs> Look, you, oh you mentioned God. about leaking and houses that haven't been lived in for a long time being dry. You know, one of the things that building inspectors can't see is the waterproofing. Like, was it done? Was it done properly? Has it been compromised? You know, they, they can't and they see all through fail things. too, ultimately. Eventually they, they fail. They don't last forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, you're not often going to have commentary around those sort of stuff. Um, they can't see leaking inside walls or, or between floors unless there is moisture present, present at the time. So that can that can be a bit of an issue. They can't see framing. They can't see bracing. You know, all those things that sit between the walls that are part of the structural integrity of the building. There's no way an inspector can actually look at that stuff. Yeah. And there's also some pretty amazing... <laughs> things that we find you've got a classic story don't you about very strange rectification work <laughs> well i do but before i go into it because the second part actually relates to something that isn't in a building and pest inspection what what we talk about in the course in your first time by guide is a building and pest inspection will almost never include commentary around plumbing electrical mm -hmm. yeah. tools um, integrity of retaining walls. They might say, you know, the tap in the ensuite appears to be leaking, but they won't go any further than that because they're not generally licensed plumbers or electricians. They're, they're licensed builders or licensed pest inspections. So we talk about building pest inspections, but I, I think you and I more broadly include those other inspections in that commentary, you know, getting a plumbing inspection, getting an electrical inspection. If the property is freehold and has a pool, get a pool inspection because you don't know. You, you want to test that those pipes aren't leaking and that, the, the, you know, that the structure, the shell of the pool has integrity. Um, but, yeah, I had, a, I had a classic one. We went through um, a property that had been renovated, and I say that with inverted commas around it. Mm -hmm. It had been renovated. And what what they'd done, so I'm, I'm not bad. I've you know I've been looking at properties for over twenty years. 
I'm not bad with the detail. I'm, you know, I have a checklist that I go through and I know what I'm looking for and I'm, I'm looking for the tricks. I'm looking for the hidden stuff. <laughs> in this one, they'd put some masking tape and cling wrap to cover a large hole in a wall <laughs> behind a bathroom door. What, they painted it? And I it. missed it. Oh, wow. The inspector didn't. And he's, he's tapping away with his tapping tool and yeah. he's going straight through, straight through the... Through the- <laughs> How classic. And he's even looked at it and went, I did not see that. Wow. <laughs> so there's, you know, there's, he just earned his money back in space just for finding one of those things that someone oh. had tried to pull the wool over our eyes successfully initially. Wow, that's cheeky. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think the biggest, and I've talked about this in previous um, episodes, the biggest potential cost that having all of these inspections done, and look, sometimes the inspections might add, add up to $1,000 if you've got all of them being done in a pool and, and, and all these other things, but the biggest potential cost that was un, unveiled was a $30,000 stormwater pipe damage. So that is something that you cannot, there is no one who can possibly find that sort of stuff out unless you're a plumbing inspector who puts a camera down and they often enter from the sewer um, inspection point on the property and they put a camera down and they run all the way through and they check the pipes, they check the underground pipes. And what had happened was that the tree roots from the next door trees, not even trees within this property, but the next door tree roots had got into this pipe and it was in such a bad way that it was just inevitable that at some point, and it may have already happened and, mm. and it wasn't revealed, but at some point that sewerage was going to, uh, stormwater sorry, it was going to back up um, and there was no way for it to, to run through. So that was a $30,000 potential future cost that the purchases were saved. And they did go ahead. It was actually because there was evidence there and the, the contract was conditional upon the building and pest inspection. We actually managed to get a reduction equivalent to the cost of it, fixing that and the, the buyers went straight in. I think actually the sellers allowed the work to be done before settlement mm. um, was, was part of the conditions of the contract. So, you know, this stuff is worth its weight in gold. Um, it's an uncommon one, but kind of common as well. Very true. It's not found often. No, exactly. And and you know what? It's actually a challenge. Even in, in Sydney in our business, we struggle and are not always successful in finding a plumbing inspector and an electrical oh. inspector. They're really, really well, hard to find. Busy, busy yeah. and, and rare. Yeah. yeah. And they often don't, like it might be a plumber who then says, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. So it, there's not as easy to get as a building inspector. And that's mm. one of the reasons that I quite like using a building inspector. You've mentioned this before who has been a builder before, yeah. not just not just someone who's done the inspector course, but someone who's actually built buildings. So they, and even talking to Sahir and Ed in that other episode, you know, they just gave us so many amazing ex, ex, examples, I guess, of how a builder understands how everything's put together yes. uh, in the first place. So that's really important. So things that get covered up, right? I went through this house years ago and I went upstairs in this particular property and I could smell fresh paint, you know? <laughs> and as you often do in in a house that's on the market, like mm-hmm. you often smell fresh paint, but do I smelled it upstairs. Yeah. And for some reason, I just felt the need to touch the wall and it was wet and not wet from paint either. Yeah. It was wet. And I'm like looking at thinking there's a leaking roof big time and it's and it's like there's something about it that just triggered it for me and and I just clocked it it wasn't a right property for a client of mine I didn't worry too much about it sometime later uh, I bumped into this woman that we evaluated a property for her earlier and she didn't buy it and then um, you know, whenever I followed her up, she was always, oh, no, no, we're not ready to buy, we're not ready yeah. to buy, not ready to buy, whatever. Anyway, I bumped her into her or I followed her up one way or the other. And I said, you know, she said, oh, we're bought. And I went, oh, that's great. What did you buy? And she bought the house with the, the, wet, house. the wet room okay. and the wet wall. And I said, oh, congratulations. You know, it's a beautiful home. Um, How long before you needed to fix the roof? And she said, how did you know about the roof? And I said, well, the wall was wet so when I inspected it. So that would have been something that I would have checked. And she said, well, I'm a bit embarrassed to say they went and bought that house without a building and pest inspection oh. and then discovered it. 
And I'm like, oh, there you go. And could have paid me and saved a shitload of money. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they, that's a good reason to use a buyer's agent who actually knows oh, a bit about buildings. Oh, that's a big cost too. Yeah. Replacing a Huge roof. cost. Huge. She said it was a huge cost. Yeah. Massive mistake. Two-story house mistake. as well. So, you know, it's oh, even higher scaffolding, up. Scaffolding. Yep. The whole, everything. Yeah. So that's. Well, not about a building inspector, but a building inspector would have solved that problem for her <laughs> had she bothered to do it. But she obviously, and this is what happens sometimes, and I'm sure you get this in your business, Megan, that sometimes clients will engage a buyer's agent just to evaluate one property. They, yeah. they don't engage us to do the whole search. Yes. And so we evaluate that property and we discover for whatever reason, we might find, uncover some reason why they shouldn't buy it or it, we get to auction and they get outbid like that's mm -hmm. actually what happened with these guys. And then they think, oh, I've spent that money and I've got nothing for it, so I won't, I won't, won't spend it again. It again. Mm. And that's what they did. And people are like that with building inspections as well. They pay for a building inspector, they go to auction, they don't get the property, and they think that was wasted money. Mm, I'm not going to waste that money us. next yeah. time. Mm. Yeah. And so they don't again get a building inspection on the very house that they buy. And you think, oh, my God, like that. I, I used to see that a lot when I was a sales agent. Yeah, or they go and ahead because they've paid for a building and pest inspection. They go, oh, well, we've already put a lot of money into it. Yes. So we might as well go ahead. Yeah. Well, you can go both That's ways. That's a sunk cost fallacy. Sunk cost buyers, yeah. you've, you've spent that money and it's told you not to buy the house, then don't buy the house. <laughs> <laughs> so the moral of this episode is to make sure these are common things that are found, but there are so many really unusual, quirky things that building inspectors find. And even they shake their heads and go, I haven't seen that before. <laughs> but it pays. It pays in spades to have a really good thorough building pest inspection, plumbing, electrical, pool if applicable, um, and make sure that you have actually covered off all of your due diligence correctly in that part, very small part of the due diligence due diligence phase try and say that quickly the due diligence due phase. diligence phase <laughs> in this episode we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers if you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake then head over to our website www.homebuyeracademy.com.au don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.